Yo, welcome to episode 211 of the Zaycoma Podcast. This is your boy, Mrs. ZCP from the A63, aka Mrs. Zaycoma, aka Paul Candy, the one podcast star. Ah, that intro. God, I miss it. Um, shit, it's been about three weeks since we started. I'm, I don't know, 30 minutes into an episode. Oh, well, 30 seconds even. I'm, as you can tell, I'm not in the right mind right now. Because guess what, boys? It's that time of day. Time of year. It's that time for fun, baby. It is opening night in the NBA. I am excited. I'm also mixed feelings because, God, for literally the last two weeks, I've been trying to get the breakout players episode done. That's literally the only one I wanted to do so far this year. And I missed it. But, oh, well, guess what? Opening night, you know what that means. It is prediction season, baby. All right. So, spoiler alert, this is going to be a longer episode than usual when it comes to to trying to get, like I said, because this is, like I said, we got MVP, uh, rookie of the year, six man of the year, defense player of the year, coach of the year, most improved player, um, executive of the year. We have leading scorer, leading rebounder, leading assists, leading steals, leading blocks, leading minutes, um... Finals predictions, conference final predictions, number one seed predictions. Basically, this is going to be a long episode. So strap in, boys and gals, as we get into. I, don't, I want to know where I want to start because I guess, like, I guess we could potentially do uh, opening night predictions. I feel like that's going to be a little bit easier. First, we got the Western Conference Finals rematch between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Denver Nuggets. Um, both teams, uh, um, as opposed to the other game that we're going to talk about in a little bit, both teams healthy, have their, you know, set rotation for the start of the season. And it's going to be a a tough, it's going to be a tough one, man. It's definitely going to be a close game. I don't see this being a blowout, to be honest, but this is definitely, this is definitely going to be a fun, a fun one. This is going to be the one I'm paying attention to the most for sure. Um, and not because the other one starts at 10 o'clock. It's going to be, it's because like, it's, this, this is the anticipate. This is the one that people have been talking about literally since the start of, um, since the start of the, well, it's the end of the Western conference finals so ever. So basically since schedules came out and this was the first game of the season, people have been talking about the fact that the Lakers and the Nuggets are probably the some would say the two front runners for the Western Conference again this year. Um, the Suns have obviously added a lot to their ro- uh, basically a brand new rotation outside of Booker and Durant. Um, and like I said, this is going to be a very very tough matchup. I do have the Denver Nuggets winning this one. Um, I know boo from the Lakers fans, but I think like I said, this is probably going to be a Nikola Jokic. Yeah, honestly, this might not even be a, be a Jokic game. This might be a role players game. Aaron Gordon might uh, have a a great start to the season. Um, KCP might not hit a few. Th- might hit a few threes. Michael Porter Jr. might get his. Um, even Jamal Murray. Like I said, Jamal Murray, I think is definitely going to have a a, a a big game because something that I really um, I really don't see a ton of with the Lakers is perimeter defense. I think that, in my opinion, they lost basically their – besides Jerry Vanderbilt, in my opinion, I think they lost their best defensive piece this season in Dennis Schroeder or from last season in Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder was probably 
one of the more underrated defenders in basketball last year. And like I said, I think had a, a especially come playoff time, I think he was exceptional defending on the perimeter in the playoffs. And he's definitely going to be missed um, in L.A. for sure. Um, but like I said, they, maybe they can make that up by just, like I said, playing team defense. That's probably – Gabe Vincent, I think, is a solid defender. But I'd like to see, I don't think they see him as on the level of a Dennis Schroeder um, defensively. And so this is probably going to be their biggest – and this is over the course of 82 games. I'm not just talking about tonight against Denver or even against, like, a Phoenix or Golden State or whatever. I think even playing, like, some of the lesser teams in both conferences – Perimeter defense is going to be something that the Lakers are going to have to uh, look at and say, maybe, you know, we, we need to fine-tune our defensive game plan. Maybe push everything into Anthony Davis, and he's probably he's going to be one the elite-level road protector that he is. Um, but besides that, I definitely could see this being a, a close game. The Lakers, obviously, offensively are stacked with LeBron and Anthony Davis and even some production from like D'Lo and Austin Rivers or Austin Reeves are um, Rui Hachimura like the guys like that are going to be for sure he and again this is we're talking 82 plus the playoffs they're definitely going to be a key key uh, um, a key, a key what do you, what's the word I want to use for it they're, they're going to be key for sure. They're definitely going to be key for um, the next, like I said, for the next six, seven months. And those, those the others, if you will, um, the D'Lo's, the Austin Reeves, the Rui Hachimura's, those are going to be guys that are for sure going to get, um, for sure they're going to need a lot of production out of to, to mask the fact that they're not probably not going to be an elite level team defensively. <sighs> As for the Denver Nuggets, though, like I said, we mentioned like, the same with the Lakers. The others are going to be real key for them. They lost two massive pieces to that bench last year, Bruce Brown and Jeff Green. Um, Jeff Green, of course, going to Houston. Bruce Brown going to Indiana. They are, like I said, they're going to have to, they're going to rely a lot on the young guys. And I think they have the, the young pieces available to Matt, to Carve out, like I said, they'll A will carve out uh, minutes in this rotation, and B I think could match if not overproduce, um, the or over, yeah, overproduce. Like I said, the the impact that a guy like a Bruce Brown or um, a Jeff Green had on this team last year. Peyton Watson, I think, is a guy that's looked really nice in preseason so far. Christian Brown, obviously, towards the end of last year, playoffs and even in the preseason this year, I think has looked um, amazing as well. Indefinitely, kid. Um, I'm not gonna say start by the end of the year, but for sure. But he's definitely gonna be like a six man type guy for them. Um, besides, like the bench is still questionable. I won't lie to you, especially like in the backup, the in the backcourt. Um, Reggie Jackson is the backup point guard. Basically, is you know not ideal. You know, trades could be made. Uh, if like I said, a Peyton Watson is underperforming or a Christian Brown, they have assets. Jalen Pickett, Hunter Tyson. Uh, they they definitely have a lot of assets that they could use if they get if they want to go get uh, fresher pieces or even like said, just some upgrade in that backcourt. And the next game, the other game, if you will, the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors. Um, very key piece for the Phoenix Suns. Bradley Beal is out. Um, 
if you've heard any of the, the the few episodes that I did do over the summer, if you heard any of those, you know that I'm not the biggest fan of the Phoenix Suns um, construction right now. I think this is very Brooklyn Nets esque, and even then, the Brooklyn Nets had a, an elite level playmaker in James Harden. I think this, the, like I said, the construction of this team already isn't. Uh, I'm already not a fan of, and then you add the fact that. Like I said, the the main reason for the overabundance of scores on this team, Bradley Beal, is not going to be available. Um, obviously, you still got two top five scores in the game in Booker and Durant, but like I said, that's you're missing the guy that the guy that you essentially built your summer around in Bradley Beal, and and again, like and this might just be a precautionary thing. I think that even they they said it was a a precautionary measure. That he's not uh, playing, but it's still scaring me. The very first game of the season that Bradley Beal is already injured, so like I said, we we're going to have to watch that for the next, like I said, six seven months going into playoff time. But I do have the Golden State Warriors winning this one, um, and this isn't necessarily going to be a problem against Phoenix because I'm again not a big fan of Yusuf Nurkic. Um, motivated or unmotivated, I'm really just not a fan of his game. But the Golden State Warriors, and again, it's been talked about to death this entire offseason, especially by Warriors fans. The lack of center play is going to be really telling. And I specifically say, not not besides Kevon Looney, I should say, um, because they don't have any sort of like rebounding, shot-blocking presence Really at all, because like I said, Kavon, Kavon Looney's not really a, a rim protector. Hell of a rebounder, I'll say that. Hell of a rebounder. He's scrappy as hell. But I don't think like he's not a rim protector. Draymond Green, again, is a paint protector. I wouldn't call him a rim protector, though. So that's, again, something that they're going to look to uh, at the deadline. If the Wizards are truly selling, look, be on the lookout for Daniel Gafford to be a warrior. And again, I know he's very undersized for a center, but... He's athletic as hell and is a rim, a rim protecting god just that does not get talked about. If Orlando is in a different direction, I I proposed Wendell Carter a year or two ago for the Golden State Warriors. Wouldn't be surprised if that trade goes down eventually, especially considering he's making next to no money. Um, especially in this day and age in this market, he's making next to no money at around ten million a year, maybe closer to like twelve. But yeah, can definitely see um the Warriors going after another center before the end of the season. Um, maybe towards deadline time. But like I said, I don't see that problem happening in this game against Phoenix. Because again, I don't think Yusuf realistically the Suns aren't aren't running through Yusuf Nurkic, so they don't really have to worry about his offense. Maybe the re, the rebounding portion I think is definitely going to be um a problem. But again, Kevon Looney is probably one of the more underrated rebounders in the game right now. So maybe rebounding isn't as big of an issue as we're, I'm trying to make it seem. But yeah, this, the size is definitely going to be a a big factor in, in tonight's game. But obviously overanalyzing, tonight is just, it's fun to have basketball back. Like so I was watching the preseason. I, I'm, I'll admit that I was watching preseason. But it's something about when games matter. That just up the ante a little bit. It makes me happy. It makes me excited as a basketball fan. 
that we're actually getting real-life basketball tonight. And basically every other team in the league plays tomorrow. <sighs> I've And again, if you haven't been like truly following Pistons news, you can tell I'm already sad as a Pistons fan because we're losing a starter and two really key bench players in Monte Morris and, uh, and Isaiah Livers for at least, at the bare minimum, three weeks. Um, I think all of them will be reevaluated in four, but yeah, this is a, it's troubling, man. I'm not going to lie to you. It's very troubling as a Pistons fan where, like I said, we're missing three key starters. And something that I talked about, if you were watching my uh, live reaction to the trade deadline a while back, maybe like 10, 12 episodes ago at this point. If you were watching my live reaction to the trade deadline, you will know why. I still don't understand why we traded Sadiq Bay for James Wiseman, um, considering we're without the two the two wings that we we were um, that we picked over Sadiq Bay, both in Boyan Bogdanovich and Isaiah Livers. Depth is key, and I understand size matters in the NBA. Like I said, I just we just talked about that with Golden State, which coincidentally. Golden State could use a James Wiseman because James Wiseman, I think the one good thing James Wiseman does bring is athleticism on both sides of the ball. And Golden State needs that, especially in the front court. So, yeah, that's probably ending in. So don't necessarily understand why any of the three teams involved in said trades because Atlanta didn't give Sadiq Bay an extension. Um, Golden, Detroit didn't give Wiseman an extension. Golden State probably isn't going to play Gary Payton II in the main rotation. So all of this is essentially for not. <sighs> Again, ranting, you know, nothing to see here. Um, but yeah, awards. Whew. Okay, so again, I've still, we're about 15 minutes in, and I still don't know exactly where I want to start with the awards section. Uh, I guess we can do leader, lead, like the league leaders portion. I will start with scoring. I think scoring, and it's, this is per, uh, per game, by the way. This isn't going to be like uh, the most total points because players are going to miss 15, 20 games. That's just a matter of fact. Um, So, points per game leader, I can definitely see be Luka Doncic. Um, and I'll tell you why. Realistically, Kyrie Irving is not going to take the ball out of Lucas' hands. That's just a fact. Um, Kyrie, and this again, no problem with it at all, but Kyrie will t- typically miss 15 to 20 games in a season. That's just how Kyrie is. He's been like this basically since 2019-ish, 18, some, somewhere around there, um, where he will take 15, 20 minutes, uh, 20 minutes, 15, 20 games um, out of a season to focus on himself, which is perfectly fine. I have no problem with that. There are definitely things that are bigger than basketball. Religion is one of them. Um, But realistically, like I said, Kyrie Irving is probably not going to play a ton throughout the the middle portion of the regular season, which gives Luka Doncic plenty of opportunity with the ball in his hands. Because Josh Green, as much as I love Josh Green, I think he's going to have a very, very good season so far, especially now that he's gotten paid. He's going to have a really good season. Um, I don't see him taking anything out of Luka Doncic's hands. Same with Grant Williams. Obviously, Grant Williams is a corner 3 and D specialist. Um, none of the centers obviously are going to take the ball out of his hands. 
maybe Jaden Hardy, if like Jaden Hardy's getting consistent playing time off the bench, he might get to his. He's going to get his, but he's not taking the ball out of Luca's hands at all. Luca is probably the one player in the NBA right now who essentially does not have to share the ball. Nikola Jokic's entire game is sharing the ball. Jokic is going to give you 27, but he's also going to get his 10 assists before he gets his 27. And the 27 is just a bonus for Jokic. He's going to get his 10 assists no matter what. Giannis Antetokounmpo obviously sharing the ball with Damian Lillard now, um, as opposed to Drew Holiday, who took maybe 12 to 15 shots a game. Dame's going to get 20. So that's taking the ball out of Giannis's hands at this point. Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. Again, two guys I think are really going to be pushing for that scoring title. Um, but again, are now sharing the ball with Bradley Beal as opposed to Chris Paul, who is maybe getting 60% touches as opposed to Bradley Beal, who will likely get like 80% touches. Um, just for the sheer factor that Bradley Beal is going to get his buckets as well. Um so, yeah, that basically leaves, like, Shea, which, again, I just don't think Shea is going to put up enough. Even though Shea put up, like, damn near 32 last year, which makes all the sense in the world for him to try to go get that scoring title again. I think Chet Holmgren's going to have a monster season. Um, Josh Giddy is definitely going to have a, a big season come uh, in this coming uh, this coming season. So, that's, like I said, that might, be, that might interfere with Shea averaging 35 instead of you know, the 31, 32 that he's capable, capable of, um, Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid is another candidate that's just a winning scoring title again, he won it last year, I could definitely see him winning the scoring title again this year, um, obviously no Harden to share the ball with, Tyrese Maxey, I, I think is going to have a monster season, um, especially not, after not getting an extension, he's absolutely going to have a monster season, because there's going to be teams wanting Tyrese Maxey next year, for sure, um, a big name to throw out there is Toronto. I, I could definitely see a Toronto going after a Tyrese Maxey like score, um, in free agency next year. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't really see Chicago actually doing it. I was out just thinking of teams that might need guard play. Um, yeah, that might be yeah, like I said, that might be it. Maybe Utah. Yeah, even Utah is sort of a stretch. Um, but yeah, I could definitely see something along the lines of a max contract for Tyrese Maxey next year. Um, especially after, like I said, he's going to have a bagger season with Philly this year. But I do not see him taking the ball, like shots away from Joel Embiid. Um, and like I said, the rest I don't see. Darius Garland's going to have a, a bounce back season, so or mm-hmm. so uh, an improved season. So I don't see Donovan Mitchell going after the scoring titles again. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that basically just leaves Luka Doncic. Um, and like I said, that's mostly going to be due to the, the 15 to 20 games that Kyrie is almost, they basically destined to miss. And again, I, I'm preference again by saying zero problem with it at all. Um, but yeah, Luka, I think it's for sure going after that scoring title this year. Rebounding title. This is where things get juicy, man. Because last year, I believe it was DeMontis Sabonis that, um, that led the league in rebounding. Then around 12 and a half. We're getting a brand new candidate. And I don't think anybody's really talked about the, again, we just mentioned the Utah Jazz a little bit ago. But I don't think anybody's talked about what, like the, the way the Utah Jazz have developed very quickly. And one prime, well, Larry Mark can be the prime reason, but a secondary reason why the Utah Jazz have, like, 
I would say have grown faster than most people would have expected. And that person, right, is Walker Kessler. I know a name zero NBA fan has talked about in the last six months of being Walker Kessler. Although Walker Kessler, I think, was a big uh, mention when the USA team um, lost the World Cup. It was like, why didn't they play Walker Kessler more? They needed rebounding and they needed big. They needed big man play. I think Walker Kessler could. He genuinely can put up Rudy Gobert level numbers and still be an effective, effective on both sides of the ball. Like Rudy Gobert in Utah was realistically put up about fourteen and fourteen a game. I think Walker Kessler can match some of that production and still be, like, an, uh, basically an upgrade to Rudy Gobert. Like, I think he because he's way more mobile and I think could potentially develop even an outside shot. Obviously, that has nothing to do with his rebounding, but for sure, I can see um, a, a a 13-ish, 13-and-a-half, 14-rebound season from, from Walker Kessler this year. Assists again, a, a, a something that that nobody really talks about being assists. Like nobody is really fiending for, um, like nobody's really in the true. Like I wouldn't say nobody's really a elite playmaker, but I don't see a ton of. Oh, this this is a. Uh, like, I don't see a ton of, you know, this person is going to win. Like, you, 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 you're not expecting the thing that people aren't talking about right now is the, the assist title. Like, realistically, Tyrese Halliburton is probably the one person I think people are genuinely excited to try to go after that's the assist title. But besides that, like you said, there aren't really a ton of names. Harden is probably not playing the first half of the year, so... You know, you can probably check that up as an L for most. Um, I also don't see it in any conceivable world. I don't see a t- um, I don't see a, a, a valley for like a Nikola Jokic to try and go get that scoring title, Spe- or sorry, the assist title specifically for the fact that he isn't really like he. He's going to get his assists for sure, but he's not the guy that's just like fishing for assists. Tyrese Halliburton, and again, I wouldn't say if uh, fishing for assists might be like, um, might be pushing it a little bit, but I think he's likely going to be um, a guy. He's like one of the few pass first point guards that I think in the NBA right now. Like if he was healthy, Lonzo Ball, I think is another guy that I could probably put in that conversation. But for sure, like Tyrese Halliburton, it feels like one of the very few um, pass-first guys in the NBA. Um, but yeah, like I said, besides him, maybe, and again, pushing it a little bit because I doubt that, he, like I said, there are certain guys, again, you expect, you know, potentially couldn't put up 10 assists. Like, Cade Cunningham is a guy I think could potentially average 10 assists a game. But I don't think the Pistons are going to give him enough made the shots, you know, made threes, alleys, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that will allow him to, that will allow him to get the, the assist that he's probably, he's, he's going, he's destined to get as a good playmaker. Um, so yeah, like there's very few, 
true names out there that I can even like put in the conversation besides like the Tyrese Halliburton. Um, Steals title. Again, very few people have talked about the Steals title. Like I don't see a ton of people that are, you know, saying, oh, is Drew Holiday going to lead the league in Steals or Marcus Smart? Marcus Smart, I think, is going to be a good one just, A, because he's, you know, he's that kind of a guy. And, B, he's going to be the starting point guard in Memphis this year with job being suspended for 25 games. Um, realistically, the two guys I just mentioned, Drew Holiday, Marcus Smart, those are going to be the guys that you typically – OG Ananobi, is, I think, is another guy that, you know, be be prepared for OG Ananobi to, to potentially go after, you know, the Steels title. Um I might even, you know, push a, a little narrative out there for maybe if if starting Jay Nivey, I think is a guy that might, you know, in in that that realm of speedy guys that if the and if engaged on the offensive end for sure is gonna be, you know, potentially going after a, 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 something like the steel title. Um <sighs> Blocks. Here, here comes a pushing another narrative. Be out there for Walker Kessler. <laughs> Look, I'm in. I am. I am infatuated with the Utah Jazz. They have something incredibly rare build, building in 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 Sacramento. Sorry, in Sacramento. In, Sacramento, in Utah right now. Like I said, we mentioned a lot about the Utah Jazz and how. Um, like I said, you even hear me talking last year. I'm, I was infected with what they're building last year. This is before they got um, John Collins essentially for free. Um, this is before they picked up Chris Dunn at the end of the year. And Chris Dunn was amazing for them last year. This is before they went out and drafted Taylor Hendricks. Before, before they got a Keontae George, who essentially, to me, in my opinion, is a steal. Um, before they went out and got a Bryce Sensabaugh. Before they you know, were able to bring back Johnny Jujang. Like, they were... A, maybe a potentially another year of Larry Marketing being like elite, like I can definitely see, um, I I can see a world where they are, um, where they not necessarily I wouldn't say competing, but they're definitely. Okay, that, uh, rephrase. I don't see them winning, but I definitely see them competing for the first. I don't know half of the season maybe towards the all-star break and then moves are made and that's probably when things go south but yeah do not be surprised at all if the if the utah jazz or so yeah the utah jazz are um if they if they are truly competing in the in the western conference this year <sighs> minutes players luka Doncic again is probably going to be the guy that that comes to mind when it comes to hey, guys that put up 40 minutes a night. Um, I don't see it being like a role player. I don't remember who, who led the league in minutes last year. Was it, was it, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like somebody in New York led the league in minutes last year. Maybe like a, a Jalen Brunson or something last year led the league in minutes. But the Knicks also had a deep rotation last year. So maybe, maybe I'm not going to quote that. I will look that up live on the podcast. But uh, but um, point being, like I said, there are a ton of 
Um, this is offensive stats, blocks, steals. If it will, <laughs> I I don't know what. Like I said, I don't know why we're about to take a full on break, but um, one that randomly came to mind, by the way, when it came to blocks, um, Jaron Jackson Jr. That's that's, that's kind of. Maybe a Nick Claxton, but like I said, I will push the Walker Castle agenda uh, agenda for sure. Um, I believe while we're on the topic of talking about Walker Castle, I believe last year had six games of six plus blocks, which again pushes the narrative even further. Um, so yeah, Walker Castle, don't be like I said, don't be surprised if Walker Castle is like a guy that they that that we see. Um, come next year. Fun fact: Actually, the league leader in minutes last year per game was Pascal Siakam. Tor- of the Toronto, it makes sense. They were running like a seven-man rotation. Um, mm. I don't see Toronto doing that again, though. And like I said, there's it's a brand new regime out there. So, um, top five last year was Siakam, uh, Irving, Tatum, Harden, and Fred VanVleet. So yeah, Houston's too deep for family to do it again. So like I said, I doubt Toronto runs that type of rotation back again. Dallas, I feel like has gotten deeper and will probably be pushing nine, ten people out there. Um. So yeah, wouldn't be surprised if that is you know like that's how their their rotation goes down. Um. Tatum, maybe, maybe Tatum. Tatum might be in that running again. Like I said, I I went in the um that same vein of Dallas with like Luca because he's essentially the only point actual point guard on the roster, um that's running heavy minutes. Another a name that I see on this list, Anthony Edwards. I would not be surprised if Anthony Edwards is, is a guy that is pushing himself to play forty minutes a night, just because like I said, that's basically how that's who he is, um. But yeah, I could definitely see those those two guys that I mentioned earlier, um, Luca and Anthony Edwards. I de- definitely could see pushing um, pushing that minutes narrative. <sighs> okay, so I so we're I think we're getting into the awards section now. Um, oh no, actually no, we'll save that for the end. We'll save championships for the end. Like I said, the the. Number one record, and we'll save all of that for then. Um, what award do I want to start with? Uh, six man, Jesus, I just knocked over a can of Arizona tea on the floor. But yeah, well, I think we'll start with six man, we'll, we'll do six man for sure. Um, and I have three candidates down here for six man of the year. Like I said, eventually just I would just wanted to go with you know who I think is going to win six man. But I'm thinking hey, that's going to be this is way too easy. Uh, I need to push myself to see if I can get a top three. In. There are I have different qualifications for all of these guys winning six man of the year. By the way, um, so number one. My actual winner, I have Emmanuel Quickly. And that's because I think Emmanuel Quickly, he's going to be like in that, that Lou Will vibe. Um, somewhere like Jamal Crawford, I'd even put in that conversation. 
of guys who are, I wouldn't call chuckers, but guys who are definitely going to get theirs off the bench. And Emmanuel quickly, I think even last year, I think he showed a lot of that. Um, a lot of that as well, of trying to get his off the bench while still, you know, playing within the team concept. And I think that's actually really fun to to dive into with a guy like, with a, a younger guy like Emmanuel quickly, even though he's like 24, 25, I think even. Um, he's still younger. He's newer to the league then. We'll put it that way. Um he for sure uh, kind of he gives me that kind of vibe, but not not saying that he's similar similar to Lou Will or George, uh, Jamal Crawford when it comes to how they play, but he got, kind of gives me that vibe a little bit of I'm gonna go get mine off the bench no matter what. Second, being Malcolm Brogdon, and I will tell you this now, Malcolm Brogdon almost I think he did actually win Sixth Man of the Year um, last year, and. It, oh no, was it last year? Yeah, it was, it was last year, duh. Um, and again, I don't see him a sitting out because Portland's rebuilding. I also don't see him phoning it in because Portland is rebuilding. And I also don't see Portland outright tanking because they have too much here that screams, we could win now. Again, they have their young guy in, in Scoot Henderson, which I don't see being a superstar as a rookie. Duh. Um, Simons is still a really good player. Sharp is still going to uh, is still developing, but I think can be a really good player and having a really good season this year. Jeremy Grant, despite the absolute ridiculous contract he has, is still a really solid NBA player. They have two uh, two really good centers in DeAndre Ayton and Robert Williams. Um some other pieces I think could potentially fit, like a Chris Murray, um, Inish Wayne, right, Matisse Thybul, like those those guys that they could have solid seasons in Portland. And then again, there's Malcolm Brogdon, who's the X factor. Um, I can definitely see him having one of those type of runs with with Portland, where he's averaging about 14, 15 a game. Portland's semi competing the first half of the year, and he's in that running. Um, I would not be surprised if if he's um, if he's again in that running for for six man of the year again. And my number three is going to surprise a lot of people. And again, he might not even come off the bench, you know, to start the season because of the way that uh, Steve Kerr is talking. Chris, like I said, they're going to try to run as small as humanly possible. Chris Paul as a sixth man. Even though, like I said, this is obviously, even as a starter, Chris Paul is not the Chris Paul of old. Duh. He's 38 for a reason. I think Chris Paul off the bench works way better than people can give credit. Because, think about it here. Chris Paul, probably one of the high IQ players. And you can even make the argument that Chris Paul makes teams better. Like, he makes teams better, and he makes players better. I think Jonathan Kuminga, even, again, there's no way Jonathan Kuminga starts on this team. But I think for sure Jonathan Kuminga will look the best he's ever looked playing next to Chris Paul. Can even make the same argument for Moses Moody or, um, like, a GP2. I can definitely see him making those guys better simply just by, like, just, just by being Chris Paul. And that, I think, should be a 
a qualification for six man of the year is being he is basically the MVP of coming off the bench. He's the most valuable player, most valuable sixth man in the NBA. I think that should be a qualification instead of oh, I put up the most points. Similar to how Andre Iguodala, it um back when he was like a, a you know solid like state, still a mainstay in Golden State, um like how he was like a his constant sixth man of the year running despite averaging like eight points a game. Chris Paul, I think, can make that sort of. Um, sort of that sort of impact, being like a 10, 11 point per game scorer, getting his five, six, seven assists or whatever, and still being able to, um, still being able to, you know, be effective as a playmaker or as a playmaker as opposed to just being a passer. So for sure, Chris Paul is going to be somebody that to look out for that award. But I do have Emmanuel quickly outright winning the award this year. <clears throat> I think now we're going to get into defensive player of the year. Okay. Again, this was the probably the toughest award to go after. And not because of um not not, not due to lack of defenders, obviously, because there are some a ton of really good defenders in the NBA. No matter what old head tells you different, there's still really good defenders in the NBA. But the defensive player of the year every year is so tricky because one year it's the big man award where it's like oh basically who's averaging the most blocks gets the most gets the defensive player of the year award and then Marcus Smart wins it and it's like oh are they gonna finally start giving it to guards this year and then last year Drew Holiday kind of deserved to be in the running a little bit and you know he wasn't even top three so. I have three again, three different motivations for I think guys could win that can win defensive player of the year, and that's strictly because I think it, it's or it's going to be one guard, one wing, one big man. Give or take what your definition of big man is, but my big man I have winning defensive player of the year, and that's Jaron Jackson Jr. I think without John Morant. There's going to be a ton on the back of Jaron of Jaron Jackson Jr. this year, both on both sides of the ball. I think Desmond Bain could absolutely um, keep the offensive output, but Jaron is going to have a ton to deal with on the defensive end. Now that essentially they're not going to have um, Stephen Adams for the rest of the season for the entire season, if he's even back by playoff time, I doubt it though. Um, and that's going to be tough, man, because again, at Steven Adams was the anchor of this defense, even though Jaron Jackson Jr. I think was a hell of a shot blocker and could potentially still be the anchor of this defense. There is a lot missing in the, like I said, I don't see Xavier Tillman filling the shoes of a Steven Adams. I don't see even him coming close to filling the shoes of a Steven Adams and therefore, it's going to be him and Marcus Smart essentially defensively because again, like Bain, Roddy, um, like Kennard, like those those guys aren't you know they they're not those like they're not at that level yet when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, and like I said, I'm not expecting them to. Um, 
like I said, so it has to fall on the back of Jaron Jackson Jr. and Marcus Smart. And I just think that they're going to give it to the big man every single time. If it's down to big man versus guard, just vote. You're going to bet on the big man every time. Now, my wing is going to be... I have him down for another award as well, which I'm going to keep pushing to the, the agenda until the agenda comes true. You're, you're going to find this out real quick about me. I am good at pushing agendas until they come true. Second year in a row, this agenda pops up. I think Jaden McDaniels has every tool imaginable to be a perennial defensive player of the year candidate. And again... Some might call this, like I said, this is this is agenda pushing at its best. But you watch Jade McDaniels play. I think he's one of maybe seven-ish players in the NBA that can genuinely guard one through five. He's I think he can guard the best point guards in basketball, the best shooting guards in basketball, the best small forwards in basketball, power forwards, and centers in basketball. I I can see him, again, putting on another 10, 15 pounds. I can see him locking up a, a Joel Embiid. I think he can guard Carl Anthony Towns. On, like I know Carl Anthony Towns on his own team. But I think he can guard Carl Anthony Towns with ease. I think he can lock down Bam out of bio with ease. I think he can lock down every lob-catching center you could possibly think of with ease because he's got a 7-foot-1 wingspan for a reason. He is, you know, that kind of a... A special, he's that special on the defensive side of the ball where very few people I can say that about. Bam Adebayo is another name that I could say, and again, as well as you know, to potentially being a defensive player of the year uh, conversation. He's one another guy I could say can confidently I can guard one through five in the NBA. But but Jaden McDaniels, I think has another leap to take, which again is why I think he's I'm gonna put him in my. Uh, most improved player conversation. Um, but for sure, I can see him having A, a breakout year, but B, like I said, being in that most improved conversation and in the defense player of the year conversation at the same time. That's how special I think he is on that side of the ball. And my guard, again, just to show guards a little bit of love, Drew Holiday, like I said, he's probably the best defensive guard in basketball. In my, Like I said, he's basically, in my, in my opinion, I think he is. But had definitely has a conversation to be the best defensive guard in basketball. And like I said, you're going to show guards a little bit of love if you were making lists like this. And for sure, I can definitely see him uh, being in that conversation for def- for defensive player of the year. Because he basically is every single year. He's just, you know, like I said, he's not seven foot. So he's not going to win it the award every year. But for sure, Drew Holiday is going to be in that conversation every single time. <sighs> rookie of the year is this really a con- <laughs> is this gonna I put down three people just for the sake of putting down three people but let's be honest if he plays 65 games this year Victor Wimbayama 1000% is winning rookie of the year like this there is no competition just being straight honest with you there is zero competition for this award again this is re- legitimately boils down to can this man make the 65 game mark? If not, I'm going to go Scoot Henderson. And just for like I said to show my boys boys a little bit of love, I have a Sar Thompson as my number three. But 
Um, if Victor Wambayama plays 65 or more games this year, he is a million times over going to win rookie of the year. A million out of a million, easily. Next question. <sighs> are, are we here? Nope, we're not. All right, coach of the year. This one was also tough, I'm not going to lie, because, again, there are a lot of good coaches, and coach of the year is essentially going to be based on your record. I guess they're not going to give, you know, over, like, if the Jazz are the seventh seed next year, Will Hardy, I don't think, is going to be in the coach of the year conversation, just for the fact that, like I say, over overachieving doesn't really win you coach of the year these days, even though the Kings being the three seed got Mike Brown coach of the year last year. Um. I, like I said, there's very few teams I think are going to make that level of a leap this year to where it's undeniable to give somebody coach to you. So, with that being said, this might also give spoiler to who I think is going to be the top seed in the in, the, in either conference this year. Um, but my first coach of the year candidate, and again, I, the guy I think is going to win coach of the year this year, and it. I almost feel I feel bad putting him in this conversation just because, like I said, he's he's going to be under a microscope this year specifically for how last year ended. But I think Joe Mazzola is going to win Coach of the Year this year. I'll tell you why. Like, and again, spoilers, Boston, I, I have Boston being the number one seed this year. Um, And this is obviously no hate towards Milwaukee. But again, like I said, you're going to you're going to get the. The Giannis missing a few games here and there. Dame missing a few games here and there. So, and I don't really see like Tatum and Brown missing more than five or ten games this year, just simply for the fact that they're not really injury prone guys per se. Um, but I think Boston is the most stacked team in the NBA right now. Top, rephrase, top heavy team in the NBA. I think like so their their top five I think is the best top five in basketball when you look at Tatum who's a top ten player Jalen Brown who's a fringe top fifteen player in the NBA Drew Holiday who's always in the conversation for All Star Kristaps Porzingis who just came off the best season of his career averaging about twenty four um twenty three twenty four a game um Al Horford who's still a really solid NBA player obviously um Derek White who's still going to be he who again in my personal opinion, came off the best year of his career. And maybe not statistically, but for sure, um, play-wise, it was the best player, uh, best season of his career. And a bunch of young guys who I think are going to be hungry hungry to get playing time, guys like Peyton Pritchard, um, Sam Hauser, Delano Banton. Again, two people who the Celtics got this offseason, Delano Banton, Lamar Stevens. If you have been around long enough on the, on the channel or on this podcast – you know that I like like the the under the very very much under the radar guys. Delano Banton and, and Lamar Stevens are two guys who fall into that category, and the and if you watch them play, you can tell why I like watching them play. I'm a very big defensive guy, and those two off the bench defensively are going to be insane. O'Shea Brissett, another guy that I really like, and again, if you watch. If you listen to me talk about basketball, regardless, you're going to hear a, an O'Shea Brissett, a Jordan Walsh come uh, come up in conversation at least once, um, once or twice. And for sure, those are going to be guys that are um, going to get a ton of run in Boston, and I think are going to be 
um, are going to are going to they're going to be Joe Mazzulla favorites by the end of the year for sure. <clears throat> so with that being said, I think Joe Mazzulla probably is going to be the number one seed out west or out east. Out west, the number one seed uh, head coach I think is going to be Mike Malone. Um, and again, like I said, this again you, we preferences by saying I think Denver is the best. Um, I think it's the most hungriest team out west. We'll say I'm not going to exist. You know, obviously, star power goes to Phoenix. You know, longevity I think could probably go to the Lakers and, and the Warriors. Those are two teams that are, like constantly are, you know, again except for like a, a one and a half two year stretch with the Lakers. I think mostly the Lakers have been really really competitive in the LeBron era. Um. So like those are like I said, that longevity probably goes there. Teams that potentially could make a jump: Utah, Houston, OKC. Like I said, those those teams obviously are extremely talented. But I think Denver is the hungriest team out west, which makes them probably the most you know competitive regular season team out there. Um, which makes me think that they're going to be the number one seed. And again, they have an MVP candidate on their their roster. You're going to to be the number one seed in the NBA, you're going to have to have an MVP candidate. In my third coach of the year, this is gonna this is gonna surprise a lot of people. And again, similar to um to Mike Brown last year, I think the biggest jump in terms of wins, and again, a guy that I think is going to be he's going he's definitely going to be leading a um a lot of people's leaderboards next year. Ime Udoka in Houston, man. Like, his one year as a head coach went to the NBA Finals. Obviously got canned in the offseason following that. And then it's taking over a Houston Rockets team that is exponentially better than they were a year ago. Shoot, even six months ago. I will take this Houston team over what they ended the year with last year. Fred Van Vliet, I think a rejuvenated, refocused Fred Van Vliet is going to be a tough, tough, um, a tough, tough cover. Jalen Green going into his third year. That third year jump is real. Anthony Edwards, I'm looking right at you. Um, I can see, you know, a Dylan Brooks having put one of the better years of his career. Jabari Smith taking a jump. Alper and Shangoon taking a jump. Um, Emin Thompson, I think, you know, like I said, another guy that we uh, didn't mention in the rookie of the year the conversation, but I think it's somebody that's for sure going to be in that in that in that discussion, especially early on. Um, Houston looks bright, man, and like I said, this is a team that last year I was criticizing the hell. I'm like, why is Jay Sean Tate in the main rotation, the starting rotation for the Houston Rockets, and now all of a sudden, like I said, they've revamped this roster crazy. Like they got they got talent over there now in Houston. Like I said, they're going, and again, a talent talent. With a solid foundation and a good head coach to boot, I can definitely see Houston being a potential playoff team, maybe play-in team, but for sure it could definitely be a top eight by the, by the time the playoffs roll around. And that should that's going to get Ime Udoka a lot of love, I think, for sure. And maybe, again, maybe not win the uh, um, head coaching award, but for sure can definitely get him some love with NBA fandom again. MV- 
I think this is this is the last one. MVP is going to be our last award. Um, it's crazy. All right, look, <laughs> I've been back and forth with this, and still am back and forth with this. I'm going to be honest. It's really down to Luka and Jokic. And again, I will tell you why. Granted, Giannis Antetokounmpo, I think, is probably you know widely considered the best two-way player in the NBA. I don't think that's even up for debate at this point. I just don't see. And again, I, I'm not hating on the Bucks at all because I think the Bucks are probably the second best team out east. Um, constructually, and I think I just think they will end up as the second seed in the Eastern Conference. That man Jokic is a problem, though. Like, and again, there's zero wrong answers here. And again, I might even have made a mistake by saying that's really down to, to, to Jokic and Luka. This might genuinely be my last year putting Luka in any top two to three MVP candidates just by by the sheer fact that he really, he like statistically, he's obviously shown up quite a bit and even has been to the conference finals once in his career. But... Regular season, Doncic, unless the Mavericks are a top three team, don't even give me MVP conversations. And again, I will, again, he's my number two, but this is my last year of putting him in that top three. I ha- I have to see some, I have to see results when it comes to Luka Doncic. Numbers are amazing. Shots are amazing. You know, I even, I love his play style, but results have to come with it otherwise we're going to have to have conversations about really putting him in that upper echelon like we might be moving him towards top 10 territory instead of top 5 territory if like I said we're in another year where the Mavericks are like a play-in team despite Luka averaging 31-32 um, and I'm, I, don't, I don't know how, how much longer we're going to really 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 deal with this but I will go with Nikola Jokic for MVP this year. Um, just again, you can't go wrong. My top three, honest, honestly, are Jokic, Luka, and Giannis. Just again, to be spoilers, um, this is this is a stacked award, man. You are going to have to put up genuine legendary numbers to even be considered an MVP candidate. And I I find that fun, which makes the it makes the game fun. It makes putting the best product out meaningful. It makes you, you know, Joel Embiid want to work more. It makes Devin Booker want to take that next step. It makes uh, LeBron James um, keep working to try to, to be, still be the guy that he's been for 21 years now. Jesus Christ. Um, it's going to make a lot of Steph. It's going to make Steph Curry work. It's going to make KD work. It's going to make a lot of guys want to take that next step. A Donovan Mitchell it makes a, a Kawhi Leonard to want us to keep playing it makes a Paul George wants to stay uh stay healthy it makes John uh, I'm saying maybe John Morant is a little bit of a, a a crazy one but it makes John Morant want to be you know he want to be that the, that next step it makes him want to take that next award uh take that next step as both a player and as a person um makes Trey Young might want to revamp his game like it's it's a lot of guys out there that's Gunning for the MVP award that can win, win MVP, potential to win MVP. That makes this award so stacked. So you just have to go with the top of the top just because off of 
uh, basically, I wouldn't even say off a resume, but just off of who they are as players, that's what makes the MVP the MVP. So, for sure, Jokic, Doncic, Anandokounmpo, those are my top three for MVP. Um, conference finals, I have a rematch, Lakers Nuggets 2. Um, just because, again, I just think those are two of the, the top constructed rosters in the NBA currently. Um, and I, I think that's actually going to be probably a Nuggets win there. I have the Celtics and the Bucks. I know Lane being the conference finals with the Celtics winning. And I have the Celtics winning their first NBA championship in the Tatum, Jason Tatum era. Their 18th, I believe, overall. It'll be their, their first title since 08. So, yes, I think like that's going to be the how this season rolls. Whew, productive, very, very, very productive episode so far. If you missed the previous 210 episodes of the Zay Coleman Podcast, we'll check them out on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, and, of course, right here on Spotify for Podcasters, formerly known as Anchor. Until next time, I love you. You love me. Let's love each other. Sayonara.